Romans chapter 8 this morning, and going to be reading some familiar verses, but um, I encourage you not to just um, have the attitude that um, you know, you've heard this, you know this. I said it a couple weeks ago, but pride, when, pride will have you to say, well, I've already heard that, and I, I know that, but uh, a humble spirit would say, I've heard it, but I need to hear it again. And, um, you know, it's amazing how uh, in every other avenue, I guess, or area of our lives, we hear things over and over and over. And, it, and it, it's as far as songs and music and things like that. Um, but when it comes to the Bible, we act like we hear it once and we've heard it enough. But I, I hope this will be a help to you. It's been a help to me this week as I've pondered upon it and, and pray, ask for you to pray for me. And it's kind of weird now preaching with people in here, you know. I've got, no, I'm just kidding. It's wonderful. I'll be honest with you. And, uh, and um, let's look here in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And if you're able and willing, would you stand with us this morning? I respect the Lord's word. The Bible says this, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us. Father, I pray this morning you'd help me. Lord, I'm unable, Lord, to do this without your help. And Lord, there's no desire in me to preach without your touch this morning. Lord, we're preaching about eternal things, about spiritual things that the natural man cannot understand. But I pray that you'd help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to communicate the truths of the Word of God to those that are here. And I pray, Lord, that as I preach, that the Holy Spirit would preach to each and every one that's here. And I pray you'd apply this message to each individual. Lord, those that are here and those that are at home and those that are watching, I pray you would apply it to each and every life. And I pray that, Lord, you'd help us to draw close to you. And Lord, that if there's one here this morning not saved, lost, I pray that, Lord, the goodness of God would lead them to repentance and salvation this morning. Lord, whatever happens, I'll be careful to give you the glory and honor for it all. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. This morning, I want to preach on this thought. Why do good things happen to bad people? Now hold up. You didn't hear me say what you think I said. Brother Justin had this made this mistake. I was running, I always run my sermons by Brother Justin. As I said Wednesday night, if it can get to him, I know anybody else can understand it, from the youngest child to the oldest saint. But and and, and I want you to understand what I'm talking about. Why do good things happen to bad people? What I just read to you in this chapter, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through verse 39 in my opinion, is some of the greatest words and verses of assurance and comfort in all the Word of God. And what Paul, basically in verse 28 down through verse 39 of Romans chapter 8, he gives us a long list of some good things that have happened to a lot of bad people. I want you to know this morning that none of us are good. 
The Bible says this in Romans 3 and verse 9, what then, are we better than they? I want you to know this morning, and I said it Wednesday night, and I don't want to get on this uh, uh, rabbit trail again, but there is a, divide, a dividing going on in our country. Can anybody, and there is a tearing apart. Uh, we, I talked about that beast of Antichrist and how he has them iron claws, and he wants to tear apart and... And there's a tearing apart. And what's going on is there's an, an idea or a mindset that there is a certain group that is better than this group or that this group is better than that group. And the Bible says in verse 9, what then? Are we better than they? No. In no wise. For we have both proved before that both Gentiles and Jews, that they are all under sin. In verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one, and that's you and that's me too. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seek after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable, and there is none that doeth good, no, not one. Verse 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I want you to know this morning, if there is anything good about us, it is the grace of God that my wife's saying about that has done it in our lives. If you search your heart and your mind and your body and you look inside yourself and if you find anything that's good, if you find anything that's right, if you find anything that's holy, it is because of God's grace in our lives. So we're all, there is none good. There's none good. But thank God that we have a good God. God is good. Did you know that? Psalms 73 and verse 1, Asaph said, Truly God is good to Israel. Now I didn't mark that out in my Bible, but in the, in the margin of my Bible I wrote James Martin next to that verse because I can say that truly God is good to James Martin. He is better than, to us than we realize. People say, well, God's never done anything good for me. Oh, you're, 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 you're wrong about that. I want you to know this morning that since you woke up and got to church, God has done more good for you and I than any other person in our life, in our entire life. God has done more good for me today since I got out of bed this morning and I stepped in this pulpit. He has done more good for me than Jackie Martin and Mary Martin and Virginia Sloan, anybody at all in my entire life. Just today, He's done more good for me. He holds us together. He keeps our minds together and our hearts beating and our lungs working. And he keeps, I'm saying he's done so much for us that we're unaware of. Uh, you say, well, God's never done anything for me. I want you to know something. God's done something for all of us. And we're living in a time where I feel that there is this attitude among God's people that why are all these bad things happening to such good people as we are? You know? It's funny how the devil works. The devil talks out of both sides of his mouth. Because one second he's telling you, you're the sorry, there's no count, no good. You don't need to go to church. You don't need to, you know, you ain't fit. You're, you did this, you've done that. He'll do that one, in one breath he'll do that. And then the next breath, brother, he'll say, boy, you're such a good person. How come that happened to you? Has anybody ever had that happen to you? 
One second, Brother Mikey's saying, oh, you ought not to preach. You ain't got no business standing up there. You ain't got no business telling anybody else about the Lord. You ain't, I mean, at one breath, he's saying that. And then the next breath, he's over here saying, man, you're a preacher. You're, man, you go to church and you go to, and you tithe and you do all these things. And you mean that happened to you and they said that about you. I'm saying this this morning that we need to just accept the reality that we are all good people. I mean, we're all bad people. Forgive me for saying that. We're all bad. What I mean to say is we were born bad. We come out of our mothers bad. When we took, we were, we were naturally, we were sinners. When Adam sinned, we all sinned. When Adam fell, we all fell. And the truth of the matter is that God's done good things for us and we ought not to sit here and dwell about the bad so-called thing. I'm, gonna get, I'm getting ahead of myself now. But did you know for the child of God, there's really no bad thing can't happen to him? Uh, I'll get to that. That's just a teaser. That's the trailer for the rest of the sermon. Look at verse 28. I've got to hurry. Don't mean I will, but I've got to. I want you to underline one word in verse 28. The last word, or the last two words. His purpose. His purpose. You say, Brother Martin, what good things has happened to these bad people? I want to tell you the first good thing that's happened to us bad people is this. God has graced us with His purpose for our lives. This morning, think about that. This world is miserable. Do you not understand that? They're, they're, they, there's just a, an aimless drifting. They, 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 the Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And if you've been saved this morning, and if you've come to know the God of heaven through His Son, Jesus Christ, and you've been saved by His wonderful grace, then God Almighty has allowed you and I to know what His purpose is for our lives. Isn't that amazing? I'm saying that's a good thing. Can you imagine living life without purpose? Living life, I believe every person is born with an innate desire for love. I believe children, they want to be loved. They want you to tell them you love. They want to be, they, they, there's a desire for affection. And, and then when they don't find that at home, and they don't get that at home, then they look for it in other places. Uh, but I don't, I don't believe people are born just with a desire to be loved. I believe people are born with a desire to have purpose. And he tells us what our purpose is. In verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, here it is, to be conformed to the image of his son. Do you know what God's purpose is in my life? Is to make me like Jesus Christ. You, Drew, God saved you, son. By your own testimony, he saved you as a seven-year-old boy. And when he saved you, he saved you for one purpose. And that is to conform you into the image of His Son to make you like His Son. I'm saying this morning, we can rejoice and say, why in the world would the God of heaven have looked down upon me and say, I want Him to be like Jesus? My wife and I talk a lot about our kids and really that's all we do, do talk about. It's our kids, they're our life. And... Uh, a lot of times I'll say this to her. I've said it to him, and I don't mean to brag or, pu or puff my son up, but 
As I said before, preachers' kids have got enough people to keep them humble. It ain't going to hurt them. But I've told my wife, I've told Drew, I'm glad I just got one son because, Brother Larry, if I'd had two, that other one never could have lived up to the way this boy's been for me. But think about this. God had one son. And yet He looked at all of us, sorry, low down, I mean, listen, uh, 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 we, just be honest, we're all just no count, uh, of no good, of no value. And he said, I'm not only going to save them, but I won't. Listen, what I'm saying is, everything going on right now in this world and in my life is for the sake and the cause and the purpose of making me like Jesus Christ. We've been graced for his purpose. It's a clear purpose. God's purpose is to make us like Jesus. Galatians 4.19, Paul said, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. If you look up that word in, in Galatians 4.19, it, it's the same word we get our word metamorphosis from. Now there's some college educated people, so I'm going to try to be accurate in this. we got a fifth year senior from YouTube. So I want to make sure I That's what we talk about. A metamorph- you know what happens when an old ugly caterpillar gets in that cocoon, it, metamor- it turns into a butterfly. But you know that was a butterfly all along? And when the Bible talks about till Christ be formed in you, what Paul was saying is that, listen, here, I'm just going to put it as plain as I can. When you get saved, Christ is in you. The Bible tells us Christ in you and, 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 and the hope of glory. And, and, and what, what, what goes on in life is, God wants there to be a metamorphosis in our heart where what's on the inside comes to the outside. That's God's purpose in my life. It's a clear purpose. Listen to this. It's a combated purpose. The devil and the world and our flesh fights against this. Do you know why the devil fights us and hates us? Because he hated Jesus. And he don't want us to be like Jesus. And listen this morning, when there's a struggle and a conflict, have you ever, have you ever thought about how that the troubles really come in your life when you set out to do right? When you say, I'm going to get up and read my Bible. I'm going to, I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to witness to my coworker. I'm going to go, I'm going to be more faithful to church. I, I, I'm going to live, I'm going to spend more time in prayer. I'm going to spend more. And then there, it seems like there's this unseen fight that you don't know why. Because that is God, the Holy Spirit, trying to conform you unto the image of His Son. And it's the devil and the world and the flesh trying to keep you from being like Jesus. It's a combative purpose. But listen to this. It's a completed purpose. In verse 30, For when he did for no, he also did predestinate to be conformed to him as his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did for uh, predestinate, him he also called, and whom he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. This is all past tense. All I'm saying is this morning, one day, listen to me, one day the job is going to be finished. You say, what do you mean, brother? What I'm trying to say is, 
Philippians 1, 6 says, He which had begun a good work in you will perform until the day of Jesus Christ. And Philippians 3, 21, Who then shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body. And 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God and doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. All I'm saying is one day, I believe very soon, that Jesus is going to come in the eastern sky. He's going to call every one of His sons and daughters that have been saved by grace through faith to come home. And in a moment, in a twinkle of an eye, this corrupt will put on incorruption. This mortal will put on immortality. And the job's going to be done. And we're going to be like Jesus. Amen. And that's God being good to bad people. Verse 28, it says, All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. I want you to see this. Some good things that have happened to some bad people is this. We are guided by His providence. Verse 28, He says, All things. You know, we like those alls when it comes to whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that all men might be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. And who would have all men to be saved? And We like those alls, but this is an all we need to like too. God's providence. That word providence, it, it literally means to provide ahead or to go ahead and provide. It, it, it would be like if, if I knew you were, if my wife, I should say, Knew which Brother Gavin's going to be staying with us Thursday night. Y'all pray for her and pray for the house, but he's coming up. We're going to get ready for the men's retreat. But anyhow, um, we, we got some things. We got to get some, some you know, loose ends. We got to tie. But anyhow, um, she's going to get ready before he gets here. You understand what I'm saying? There's going to be sheets washed. There's going to be, you know what I mean to say? It's like when you're in college and you go home to mom and mama, she's already got the country ham ready to cook the next morning. She's got the eggs in there. She's about to show you, remind you how good a cook she is. And, 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 and the bed's made and the pillows are not, and everything's clean. And, and, uh, and, and what I'm saying, she didn't wait till you got there. To get ready, she got ready before you ever arrived. And that's what providence is. Did you know right now that God has already provided tomorrow? He's already got what, our, what we need tomorrow waiting on us and the next day 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 because only God can do that. He's in tomorrow while He's in today. And while we're here, He's there. And Brother Justin, before the need ever comes, before the problem ever arises, before the bill ever comes in the mail or the phone call comes or the email or the letter, before the tragedy and the trial, God's already gone ahead and said, I'm going to make this work together for their good. I'm going to use this to make them more like Jesus Christ. I'm going to use this to help them and not hurt them. That's what providence is. Why would God do that for bad people? I don't know. There's only one reason, grace. Amen. Verse 28, I want you to see the peace that we can all hold. He said in verse 28, we know, we know 
I tell you what, I don't know if there's ever been a time when we know less than we know now. So much conflicting information, so much, and so, such extremes, you know what I mean? Just extreme this way or extreme, and all that's going on. And, you know, anyway, I'm not, I'm, I'm refusing. I got off that hard enough Wednesday night. I've been looking over my shoulder for the law to come. CIA, I've been watching for the helicopters and all them, but they ain't showed up yet. Not saying they won't. I had a man honestly come to me Thursday, though, at the ball practice and, and told me, he said, I sure enjoyed the message last night. I didn't know, and I said, do what? He said, yeah, we watched it on a big screen at home. He said, we loved it. And I thought, oh, I wonder who else was watching. But anyhow, I'm not going to get off on these little, these ends, but I want you to know this morning that there's one thing we can know as children of God. There's a peace that we can hold. We can hold on to this peace and the fact that we know that no matter how awful it may seem, no matter how terrible it may seem, we can have a peace and we can know that God Almighty is going to use it to make us more like Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. A peace we can all hold. I'm saying this this morning that I understand troubles come. I'm not saying that when we, when we get bad news or we go through bad times or troubles and trials that it doesn't take us back, that we don't weep, that we don't cry, that we don't hurt. But Brother Larry, we've got peace and we know, we know that there is an unseen hand that's going to take that bitter thing and turn it sweet. He's going to take that hard thing and use it to soften our hearts and make us like His Son. All I'm saying is if you're saved and you're born again, there's really no bad thing can happen to you. Say explain it, I wish I could. But it's beyond me, beyond my understanding. But I believe the Word of God when it says we know that all things. I want you to see this. The peace that we can all have, hold the problems that we can all have. Jesus said, John 16.33, In this world, you shall have tribulation. I want you to know this, this morning that and I've been hearing these people, oh, just hold on, it's going to get worse, and it's going to be, and all that. I, I don't want to dwell on that negative. I want to dwell on the, on the positive of this, is that I don't care what happens to us, there is nothing can happen to me that God's not already seen and that God didn't already know about and that God can't take and use it for His glory and my good. And uh, I mean, I don't know what all this is going to come to. I don't know what all it's going to lead to. I don't know what it's going to bring us to. I don't know. Uh, you understand people say, well, that can't ever happen. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest with their thing. I didn't think it would ever happen. But, but I'm just saying that we don't need to wring our hands and, and lay in bed at night and fret and worry because those all things God's got coming down the way. Don't listen to me. Man has a choice. And man can choose to do bad. Man can choose to be evil. Man does evil every day. But God can give us peace in knowing that He can take the evil intentions and the evil acts of men and use it to make us more like Jesus Christ. Amen. He said they work together. There's a promise we can all hope. God moves everything towards His goal for our lives. God will engineer by His providence. Listen, 
circumstances that may look evil to us, but they're not evil. They're actually part of His plan for our lives. I know it's hard to swallow, and you're sitting there wondering if you believe that, but I'm just going to give you a verse. Genesis 50-20. Joseph said, But as for you, you thought evil against me. Is there anyone... Now follow me. Follow me, Drew. Good to have you back, Cash. Glad you got over COVID. Oh, Cash was worried, boy. <laughs> the pangs of death seized upon his soul. But he come out like a champ. But anyhow, you boys listen to me. I'm just not like y'all the only ones here. Can you, let's just say there's this boy. And he's a good boy. He loves God. He honors his father. He's a good son. He does everything his dad does. And all of his brothers hate him because he's such a good boy. And those brothers that hate him one day, they hate him so much that they come up with a plan to get rid of him. And they throw him in a pit to kill him. To kill him. All just because his daddy loves him. And then they're sitting there, and one of them brothers, I believe it was Simeon, I might be wrong about that, he comes along and says, hey, we can't kill him. And, and everybody won't say, well, he was being nice. Well, only, I mean, what's worse, being dead or being a slave in Egypt? Neither one of them is too good of an option. And they sell their brother into slavery. And then they take his coat, they dip it in blood, they rip it to pieces and go and lie to their father and say he is dead and his dad for 20 years mourns the death of his son. He mourns his son so bad that his spirit died with him, within him. He was just, well, he was dead spiritually. He just, he lost all of his love. He lost everything. It just numbed him for 20 years, Drew. And that same boy, as if not enough has happened, he gets down there to Egypt. And while he's in Egypt, he becomes a servant to Potiphar. He serves Potiphar faithfully. He honors God faithfully. And Potiphar loves him and begins to raise him up and puts him in charge of his own house and his servants. And one day Potiphar had a Jezebel wife who come in there and seduced him and tried to convince him to lay with her. And he said, I cannot do this against my God. And I cannot do this against my master and she lied on him went to her husband and said he tried to rape me he tried to force himself on me and Potiphar took that same boy who was sold by his own brethren who was sent down to Egypt and put him in prison and he sat there and sat there and again I could go on to this story but I want to is there anything you can say is good about that we would say no but Joseph said, you thought it evil, but God meant it to good. That's a promise that we can all hold. The things that we seem, that seem evil to us, that happen to us and happen in our lives, I feel like one day we're going to stand on heaven's bright shore. We're going to look back and we're going to say those were some of the best things. Because uh, brother, brother Don Green, he was a preacher and from Ohio he's well known and he wrote a lot of books and, and just just a, a, a real man of God and he had uh, his wife died at a, at a, at a fairly young age and uh, he had several children he had one daughter that that got cancer and uh, and she got real sick and he had people praying I can remember as a boy and they'd be requesting prayer for his daughter and 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 and, and the answer that they wanted never came she died. 
Brother Don Green was brokenhearted by that, as you can imagine. I mean, why would that happen to somebody who's trying to preach and trying to live for God? But they said, he said that one day he was going through his little girls. Uh, she was a teenager when she died and he was going through her, her, her stuff and just kind of weeping and brokenhearted. And he opened her, he got to looking through one of her old Bibles and in one of those old Bibles he, he found a, 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 a note, a list. It was like a, a laundry list. And at the top it said, things that I'm thankful for. And it had a date and it was about a week before she died. And she said, I'm thankful for my daddy. I'm thankful for my church. I'm thank-. And it went right down that list. And Brother Larry, he said that at the bottom of that list, in big, bold letters, she said, I'm thankful for cancer because it has brought me closer to Jesus than I've ever been before. I'm saying we're guided by His providence. And that's a good thing that's happened to bad people. Verse 31, I'm about done. I've only got like maybe three more hours in me. But anyway... I want you to get this if you ain't got anything else. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but he delivered up for us all house, shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Uh, uh, shall tribulation or distresses or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are as accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to Separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. That's a whole bunch of good things. So, we've been graced with God's purpose. We've been guided by God's providence. But I this, and I'm done. We are guarded by God's power. That's a good thing. I really believe that if God were to let down His hand of protection around us, We'd all be done. If Satan was able to do to us what he wants to do to us, as I should put it, if there wasn't something between us and him, if there wasn't something, do you remember, have you ever seen where, you know, two people get into it, you know, they act like they want to fight, and then, then, and, and then there's, that, there's always that one person like, you better hold me back. You better, you know what I mean? They don't really want to fight, you know? They don't really want to fight. And Brother Larry, the old devil, he'd, he'd love to wear us out. He'd love to destroy us. Well, aren't you glad that we've got somebody between us and him who will not allow him to do what he wishes to us? And I want you to know that's a good thing that's happened to this bad boy. It's a good thing. This is amazing. Satan wants you to question and doubt God. And so... Did you know sometimes the best way to answer a question is with a question? And the Bible gives us five questions that we can ask Satan when he questions us. And he can't answer these five questions. Look at it in verse 31. What shall he say to these things? 
If God be for us, who can be against us? This question here tells us that because we are guarded by His power, there should be no intimidation. He said, if God be for us, who can be against us? So when the devil comes and says, oh, what are you going to do about this? And what are you going to do about that? And this person said this. And this person said that. And this person gave you one of them angry faces on Facebook. And, uh, you know, that, it's amazing how tough we are. Uh, I, they give me an angry face. I don't know what I'm going to... But, 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 but Drew, he said, if God... What he is saying is, if God's standing with us, then who can stand against us? Whoever comes against the child of God, listen to me, is coming against the God of the child. If you were to hurt that boy or try to hurt that boy, I'm telling you, you, wouldn't get, you, you may get him, but you'd have to go through me. And if someone comes towards us, or if, the, if, if something comes towards us, we need to know that God is for us. That word for, it means to be alongside. Or it, it, it means literally, it's a judicial term, for us. Uh, where, like the Bible says, Christ died for our sins. And uh, it's an amazing little word, three letters. I don't know if it's a conjunction, an adverb, preverb, postverb. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend. Uh, but I do know this, what it means. It means it's a judicial term. And it's as if somebody were to stand in your place, uh, were to stand in your stand in the court of law and represent you uh, before a trial and before a jury. I'm saying this, devil, you may have a question for me, but I've got a question for you. If God's standing for me, who can stand against me? Verse 32, another good question. Who... He, that's close to who, he that spared not his own son, but delivered up for us all. Here it is. Here's the question. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Because we're guarded by his power, there should be no intimidation. And listen, we're living in intimidating times. But we should not be intimidated. But then also he says that for the child of God, because we are guarded by his power, there is no deprivation. Follow me. He says, if he spared not his own son. Look what he said. But delivered him up for us all. Shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What he is implying here. And you got to understand the time and the culture when this was written. These people were running for their lives. They were wanting to be killed and run out. And, and if they publicly identified with Christ, they, they were scorned and they were, uh, they were sent off by their family and, and their jobs, their businesses were closed. And, and, and they, you know in their mind the devil was telling them, how, how are you going to feed your family? How, how are you going to clothe your children? How, what are you going to do? And God said, the next time he asks you that, ask him this. If God did not hold back Jesus for you? Do you think He's going to hold back your power bill and your food and your remnant? If God was willing to give up His Son, how much, free, how much more is He not going to give us all the things that we need? I believe that, don't you? Can you imagine God saying, alright, I'll give my Son for you, but I'm not going to help you with that bill. 
I gave my son for you. What I mean to say is this. Jesus was the most valuable thing in heaven. He still is. The crown jewel of heaven. And if God was willing to give that for us, do you think he's going to say, well, I just can't. You're asking a little much. You boys and you girls, you pray for a husband or a wife. I hope the girls are praying for husbands. But anyhow, I don't think we got that problem here. And if we do, I don't want to know about right now. But anyhow, don't you know that if God, if God gave his son for you, he'll give you a wife or a husband? And, 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 and preachers, I, I see this, and, and, and there's all the, they, 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 oh, I gotta have a, I gotta have a, I gotta have this, I gotta have that. Listen, if God gave his son for us, he'll give us anything else we need. No intimidation, no deprivation. Look down, these are some good questions, though, you need to memorize. Next time the devil questions you, question him. Verse 33, who. Shall anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. There's no incrimination. Satan wants to accuse us, but he's not qualified to accuse us. The only one, listen to me, the only one who is legally qualified to bring charges against us is the one against whom we have committed trespass. And God has laid my charges upon His Son at the cross of Calvary. Think about that. Those charges were accepted by Jesus Christ and the penalty for them charges has been fully paid. Isn't that wonderful? I know we've been out of church for 10 days and y'all been watching me on Facebook for about 30 seconds and then clicking your timeline and all that. I know what you've been doing. Don't lie to me. But anyhow, but I, I want you to know there are some good things that's happened to this bad, bad boy. And that thing is, is verse number 33, who can lay a charge against a child of God? I'll tell you who. Nobody can. Amen? Because the charge of my sins, I was guilty one day. I was on my way to hell. But God on Calvary laid my charges on His Son. And His Son said, and I'll take those charges. And the Bible says in Colossians 2, He took that which was contrary to us, the head and right of ordinances, that was against us, and He took it out of the way, nailed it to the cross, blotting out those head and right of ordinances as against us. Sorry, devil. I'm free from that. And the Bible says, Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. Amen. In verse 34. Here's another question we can ask him. Who is he that condemneth? You can't live for God with a condemned mind and a condemned heart and a condemned spirit. And most of our condemnation, after we're saved, all of it, for the most part, is self-condemnation. Who is he that condemneth? And the devil loves to use that against us. But there's no condemnation. The only one, listen to me, the only one qualified to condemn me is the one who died for me and is defending me in heaven today. 
Romans 8, 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh. Look what he said in verse 34. Who is he condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. What Paul was saying is, who can condemn you if you're a child of God? When the one that was able, the one that was qualified, the one that had the right, he went to Calvary and died for you and laid his life down for you and has forgiven you. And look, why would he condemn you once he's already justified you? He came and he walked. Who is he that condemneth? Well, it ain't God. And ain't Jesus. Verse 35 through the end, I'm just going to give you this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now these are five things that the devil prize and, and, and uses to hinder us. Intimidation. We're living in intimidating times. We got a school board meeting Thursday night. I don't want to go to jail, but I could. Whether you believe it or not, these people that they're being put in positions they don't want to be in. And it's intimidating for them. And, and, and there's, there's all, and the devil uses intimidation, deprivation. Do you know the devil will use that against us? He'll say, well, if you do this, you won't have that. Incrimination, condemnation. But here it is separation. There's no separation for the child of God. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I'm going to read this because I like the way it sounds. Shall tribulation. No. I done quote it, John 16, 33, in this word you shall tribulation. That's not the whole verse though. Thank God. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution. You say, oh, that's, that's never going to come to that. It could come to that. I believe it has come to that in many places. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Can any of those things separate me from the love of Christ? No, none of them can. The old song says, lock me up in a prison and throw away the key. Uh, take away the vision from these eyes that now can see. Uh, take away the food I eat and even bind my hands and feet. But as long as I have Jesus, I can still go free. Amen. Thank God this morning that there's no separation. Uh, listen, between us and the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, I'm in Him. He is in me. We are in God. Amen. That's what the Bible says. And there's nothing can come between us. Verse 38. For I'm persuaded that neither death can death separate us. Second Corinthians 5 8. We are confident that saying, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 1 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? I sometimes I just get tickled at some of this stuff. For me to live, and Philippians 1, 23, Drew, he said, I, I'm in a strait betwixt two. He said, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. What he was telling them is it's going to be better over there. Let me tell you something. We ought not to fear death. We're not, we ought not to fear death. Death for the child of God, listen to me, is simply a means or an avenue to get us from this life into eternal life with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, can life 
He said, death or life. I'll be honest with you, sometimes life is a lot harder than death. One of the the awfulest things about this last two years, I don't know, it's getting long, I don't even know how long it's been going on, but it's suicide. Suicide. You know what causes someone, and I want to say this, if you're thinking about that, let me just tell you, don't do it. Don't do it. Talk to somebody. Somebody cares. Somebody listen. But when people commit suicide, what they're saying is that death is easier for them than life. But I'm glad life can't separate us from the love of Christ. Can angels? He says that. No, because Hebrews 1.14, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be theirs of salvation? An angel's not going to separate me from Christ. He's going to work to draw me closer to Him. Can principalities or powers? Well, no, because Ephesians 6.10, For finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, the powers might put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual weakness in high places. You say you mean principalities and powers can't say, oh no, they can't because we got the armor of God. Amen. We've got the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness, the Lord's going about with truth, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and no fiery dart fireless can get through the armor of God. <laughs> can things present? No, because John 8, 58, Jesus said, Verily, verily I send you before Abraham was, I am. Can things to come? No. Revelations 22, 20, He which testifies things saith, Surely I come quickly. He's the coming one. Can hide or death? Ephesians 3, 8, 19, May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of God with the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. Psalms 139 said, Whither shall I go up from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up in the highest heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the earth, of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Or any other creature, he says. No, because Romans 9, 15, it says, Christ Christ came who is over all. God bless forever. Amen. I'm saying this morning, there's some good things that's happened to some bad people. God has graced us with His purpose. And then God's been guiding us by His providence. And then God's guarding us with His power. And this morning, if you're here and you're not saved, I want you to know that you can have all of this too. Free of charge. You say, oh, Brother Martin, something that good... Something that amazing, surely it's going to cost me something. There ain't nothing, no such thing as free. And there's not many things that are free, but I know one thing that's free is the grace of God and the salvation that's in Jesus Christ. Over there in Isaiah 55, verse 1, he said, Ho, everyone that thirsts, let him come and drink of the water. And he said, Let him buy bread without money. What he was saying is, This water's free, the bread's free, the corn's free. Listen, the, the salvation is free. It's not cheap. It costs Jesus everything, but it's free. It don't cost you anything. Amen. You come to Christ by faith, trusting and believing in his death, burial, and resurrection, you repent of your sins. You have to repent of your sins. 
You said, Brother Martin, how can I, I was talking with a Calvinist the other day, and he's saying, well, a sinner can't can repent of their sins. I said, a sinner can repent of their sins if the Holy Ghost has begun doing the work of conviction in their heart. You repent of your sins and you trust the Lord Jesus Christ and call upon His name. The Bible says you'll be saved right now. Right now. And you can leave here and say, boy, I've been a bad person. But I've got a good God who's done good things for this bad person.